Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Good morning and welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you this morning. Praise be to God. How was your weekend? You survived it anyway, right? You're back at it. It's Monday. It's time to get after it. Praise be to God. No matter what's going to be on your calendar today, whatever you're facing today, we're going to be praying for your intentions here in a few moments. But very grateful to be back on the air with you on uh, this beautiful Monday morning. Another opportunity to serve the Lord this week to do some incredible things. We're going to have a, a wonderful lineup for you this week. We're very excited. Uh, Raymond DeRoria will be our guest. I think it's Friday. I'm pretty sure he's got a new book out in time for the rest of Lent and Easter. So we'll be talking to Raymond DeRoria about that on Friday. Today, though, our guest uh, rejoining the program, Mr. Julio Laredo from TFP in Italy, uh, Tradition, Family, and Property. Uh, there's a lot of news coming out of Italy. Of course, Italy look, looks like it's going back into lockdown mode, so we're going to have that conversation, especially in light of new research out of Johns Hopkins University suggesting that lockdowns didn't necessarily have a whole lot of uh, benef- benefits, not a lot of great impact. So they compared states that didn't lock down to states that did, and they kind of ended up the same place. So uh, how does that affect Europe. We'll have that conversation with Mr. Julio Laredo. Plus, there was news that uh, I think it was Friday. Uh, there was a, a letter, that, an unsigned letter at that that came out of the Vatican that said there will be no more private masses said on the side altars at St. Peter's Basilica. And um, effectively uh, saying that if you want to, you're a priest and you show up and you want to say mass, unless you're a bishop, you're going to have to concelebrate at one of the main masses, which really begged the question, what about the traditional priests, the you know FSSP, for instance, or others? What do they do? Well, they've been relegated to a chapel in the grotto. So very interesting news development out of the Vatican. Mr. Julio Laredo will be on to discuss that. Plus, it's the Ides of March. Pop quiz, do you remember what the Ides of March are? Et tu, Brute? course it's just the 15th of march but on the roman calendar however it does have that wonderful significance of uh, the day you mark the uh, assassination of julius caesar uh speaking of which good morning to you emily alcarez good morning joe did you celebrate latari sunday yesterday of course my wife made me wear a pink tie (laughs) (laughs) my wife is very good she coordinates the whole family so uh, we always look like we're dressed for the part but if it wasn't for her forget it it'd be it'd be quite the opposite that's awesome. Uh, and you? I did, yeah. Liturgical living is great because you get to have these breaks during Lent where you can celebrate. <laughs> we, so. we interrupt this penance to bring you pink. <laughs> Actually, it's not pink, is it, Adrian? It's, uh, it's like it's, it's rose. 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 <laughs> because Jesus rose from he the dead. Rose from right. <laughs> <laughs> is that the official? No, that's just a joke that people say. No, uh, I... I you know, this Sunday it was pretty. It's really nice. I uh, went to a different parish than I normally go to. I went to Regina Chaley, um, and I ran into this really crazy family. Everybody was matching. Yeah. Um, the daughter was wearing Awkward. a nice pink veil, yeah. and uh-huh. it may or may not have been uh-huh. Joe McLean and his family. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, praise be to God for my wife and 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 wives and mothers everywhere uh, over Latari Sunday who make sure their family is dressed properly for Holy Mass. Praise God for it. 
Well, we're going to have a great show today. It's also very possible that Eric Sammons, editor of Crisis Magazine, will be on the program in the What's Concerning Us section. Uh, there's several articles over there that we could talk to him about, including Bitcoin. You know, if you're, if you're old like I am, you know, you youngins probably, probably know all about Bitcoin, don't you? I have no idea. Not nothing. <laughs> very little. Very, very little. Well, cryptocurrency, it's a conversation we probably ought to have, but I think Eric has an u- interesting take on it in the sense of there's opportunity for Catholic evangelists to leverage the technology. That fascinates me. So we'll have that conversation. Plus, uh, Bishop Barron has been uh, sort of stirring the pot a little bit between traditional uh, Catholics and, uh, and uh, sort of ordinary Catholics. And we're going to have that conversation as well. So hopefully Eric Sammons will be on the program. So full lineup, lots to do and discuss. Let's jump right in. We're taking your intentions and asking Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, to intercede for us by whispering them into the ear of her divine Son. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now the headlines with Emily Alcaraz. Virginia's governor on Friday signed a bill into law expanding abortion coverage in the state, prompting a rebuke from the state's bishops. Governor Ralph Northam signed the legislation, House Bill 1896 and Senate Bill 1276, which allows abortion coverage to be included without limits in health plans on the state exchanges. The health health plans often receive subsidies, which means that taxpayers would be funding abortions under the law. Beginning July 1st, health plans in the state will cover abortions for any reason. The bishops in Virginia spoke out about their concerns that taxpayers will now be forced to fund plans that cover abortion on demand. Health plans on Virginia's exchange, set up after the Affordable Care Act, had previously not included abortion coverage, except in cases of rape, incest, or risk to the life of the mother. The bishops said, quote, Without despair and with maximum determination, we will continue our advocacy for the preeminent priority of protecting unborn children from this threat. The European Union has declared itself an LGBT freedom zone, prompting objections from the Polish government, which says it has a right to maintain traditional views on marriage and the family. The EU resolution passed Parliament Thursday after a debate the previous day in Brussels. According to the Associated Press, the measure passed with 492 ballots in favor and 141 votes against. The European Union's decision came in response to LGBT ideology-free zones created in parts of Poland over the last two years, and the country's recent decision to close a legal loophole that had permitted same-sex couples to adopt. The Polish zones were a largely symbolic expression of support for traditional family values in the mostly Catholic country. The Polish government pushed back against the European Union's resolution and accused the EU of overstepping its jurisdiction. As a sovereign nation, Poland insisted it has the right to defend its beliefs on family values, even if its views are more conservative than those in many other nations. And a new letter from the Vatican Secretariat of State has banned the private celebration of masses at side altars in St. Peter's Basilica, effective March 22nd. The new rule appears to be permanent. 
The letter says the changes are intended to ensure, quote, the holy masses in St. Peter's Basilica take place in a climate of recollection and liturgical decency. Until now, the 45 altars and 11 chapels in St. Peter's Basilica have been used every morning by priests to celebrate their daily mass. Many of them are Vatican officials who begin their day with the celebration. The measures also ask that the masses ha- all masses have lectors and cantors. And another change. Mass offered in the extraordinary form of the Roman Rite, also known as the Latin Mass, will be limited to the Clementine Chapel in the Vatican Grotto. The release of the letter was not accompanied by any kind of official Vatican communication. This and other anomalies prompted some speculation that the letter may have been forged. However, two Vatican officials who asked for anonymity confirmed to Catholic News Agency that the document is real. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Pope St. Gregory, pray for us. He was born in the 8th century, uh, son of a uh, well-to-do family. He was Very little is known about his early life, though. He became a deacon and an advisor to Pope Gregory III, as well as becoming the 91st Pope of the Catholic Church. He was, in fact, the first Pope after St. Gregory the Great to not seek imperial confirmation of his election. He negotiated peace between the Lombards and the Greek Empire. He restored the Lateran Palace and many of the churches around Rome. He encouraged the missionary work of St. Boniface and appointed St. Abel as Archbishop of Reims in France. When the Venetian slavers bought slaves at Rome to sell to the Saracens in Africa, Zachary bought all of them to uh, prevent Christians from becoming enslaved to the Muslims. He translated the dialogues of Gregory the Great into Greek, and many of his actions among the royal powers of the day continue to echo for centuries to come. Pope St. Gregory died on the 22nd of March, 752, and he is buried at St. Peter's Basilica. Pope St. Gregory, pray for us. The Gospel today comes from John chapter 4, verses 43 through 54. At that time, Jesus left Samaria for Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his native place. When he came into Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, since they had seen all he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they themselves had gone to the feast. Then he returned to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. Now there was a royal official whose son was ill in Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, who was near death. Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, You may go. Your son will live. The man believed what Jesus said to him and left. While the man was on his way back, his slaves met him and told him that his boy would live. He asked him when he began to recover, and they told him, The fever left him yesterday, about one in the afternoon. The father realized that just at that time Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he and his whole household came to believe. Now this was the second sign Jesus did when he came to Galilee from Judea. The Gospel of the Lord. 
Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, what a wonderful way to start off the, the week with this particular gospel passage. I love it because the, the main subject here, other than Jesus, of course, is, is a royal official. And many scholars believe that probably a pagan, probably a pagan serving under Herod um, Antipias, and notice his faith. He asks Jesus to heal his son. That's a powerful reality. This person is not even a Jew. He's not even, possibly not even an Israelite. A pagan asking the Lord to heal his son. And he doesn't even really, I mean, he says, come, come, come heal my son. And Jesus doesn't even go. He just says, your son will live. And the man turns around and starts heading home. That's pretty powerful faith right there. I wonder if you and I who, uh, who pray every day, if you and I who love our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would uh, also have such faith. And maybe I can't speak for you because you're probably way more uh, pious and saintly than I am and, and grace-filled, but I can speak for myself. I wonder, I question myself as to whether or not I would have the faith of this pagan. Would I trust the Lord or would I need more? Would I always ask for more? I think it's a powerful reality for me, this point, midway through uh, the holy season of Lent, to stop and take an account of my own life. Do I have the faith of even this pagan? Do I believe, is my obedience to Christ to the point where I don't need him to do anything other than just, he just says the words and that's good enough for me? Or do I constantly seek signs and wonders? It's fascinating because in John's gospel, most of the signs are done in Jerusalem. This is only the second sign in the north. And yet there is a, there's a, there is a sort of a, 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 a tension between the north and the south. In the north, they mostly, they mostly come flocking to Jesus, but in the south, in Judea and Jerusalem, they mostly just want to kill Jesus. So it's a fascinating north versus south thing going on here, where the miracles are in the south, and maybe it's because of a lack of faith. So maybe today, I'm, I'm realizing that the rest of my Lent should be meditating upon faith for me in my life. What about you, Adrian? Yes, uh, so a couple things, and uh, one thing before I forget, and I think is incredibly important, uh, about Pope St. Uh, Victor, uh, or not Victor, um, Zachary. Zachary. Zachary, Zachary, sorry, uh, Pope St. Zachary, he uh, just, you know, I, I know that Joe loves his Dominican saints, he uh, <laughs> founded uh, Santa Maria Sopa Minerva, and which, you know, just so happened to become the headquarters to the Dominican friars, and later has a huge history with the Dominican friars. So I just wanted to mention that, and I guess I won't talk about the gospel. <laughs> well, <Whoops>. After show. <laughs> well, maybe the after show. Uh, coming up next after this break is going to be the What's Concerning Us section, and Eric Salmon's editor of Crisis Magazine is on with us. We're going to talk about uh, Bishop Barron, Bitcoin, and maybe a few other topics that are coming up. And plus, we still have a guest segment. A lot coming your way. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Protestants often think that the difference in the Greek words for Peter's name, Petros, and the rock, Petra, in Matthew 16, 18, is evidence against Peter being the first pope. But does this objection deal the death blow that Protestants think it does? Nope, and here's why. First, even in the Greek of the New Testament called Koine Greek, scholars recognize that there's no difference in meaning. In the IVP Bible background commentary, Craig Keener affirms that these two terms were cognate terms that were used interchangeably by this period. This view is supported by the fact that John tells us in John 1.42 that the Aramaic equivalent of Petros is Cephas, which means rock. So why the difference? Gender. 
Petros is masculine and Petra is feminine. It makes perfect sense that a feminine noun would not be used for a masculine name. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. Hi, Joe McLean here, host of the Catholic Drive Time, heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, right here. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of the Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations. Real Estate for Life offers their clients a faith-based experience. Real Estate for Life is online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. It is so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Good to be back in the saddle. Got a great week lined up for you. We're very excited about it. Mr. Julio Laredo, in about, uh, I don't know, 18 minutes or so from now, is going to be on TFP from Italy. Lockdowns again on the menu in Italy. Of course, we uh, reported on the story out of the Vatican about private masses now being um, suspended in St. Peter's Basilica. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, plus, AstraZeneca vaccine is starting to feel the pressure. Netherlands, Ireland, and other countries are all suspending that particular vaccine because of blood clotting going on there. So lots to discuss with Mr. Julio Laredo. Uh, Join us for that segment if you can. But right now, joining us by Zoom chat is Eric Sammons, editor-in-chief of Crisis Magazine. Good morning to you, Eric. Good morning. How are you doing? Praise God, I'm alive. How are you? Yeah, I'm the same. Monday morning, uh, I think I am at least. It counts, doesn't it? It counts. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? It counts. Praise be to God. Now, there's there's lots of uh, articles on Crisis Magazine that are, we could jump into that I think would be wonderful. But there was two that I've been wanting to get you on. Uh, we weren't able to get you on last week, so I really wanted to conversate. One was about Bishop Barron, and uh, seemingly he seems more and more these days to really be focused against those uh, those evil trads. And why does why does why 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 is there an issue in the church that seems to be boiling up? between traditional Catholics and, uh, well, should we call them ordinary Catholics? I'm not trying to be derogatory in any way, shape, or form. Right. I'm just, yeah, it's it, a hard... It, it seems rather strange to me. So there was, there's that article, but I, but I want to mention it because uh, I also want to talk about Bitcoin as well. And you've written a book on it, and I'm an old guy, so I need you young people to explain to me Bitcoin. Um, and I say that tongue-in-cheek because you're probably about my age, Eric, so... I'm just revealing my own ignorance, but let's yeah, start with older. Let's, let's start with Bishop Barron anyway. Um, you know, we've all. Uh, I myself loved Word on Fire podcast when they came out. I used to listen to them all the time. I really respected Bishop Barron, and I really appreciated his Catholicism series. I mean, I love the fact that he came out and prayed a rosary at a rally around a Saint Hanipero uh, Sarah statue last year. I mean, there's a lot to love there. Why this animosity with traditional Catholics, Eric Sammons? I, I mean, I can't answer for his, his motives, of course, but I do think part of it is just the fact that traditional, the kind of the traditional Catholic movement within the church is booming. It's growing at an astronomical uh, rate right now. Uh, every, everything I've heard, my own parish, plus I've heard from so many people, especially in America, that they're tra- they attend traditional Catholic parishes that attendance has doubled, tripled. I mean, it's just, it's crazy how, um, I think at our parish, it's grown by about almost four or five times in the past year. And so that, whenever something like that changes, 
defenders of the status quo get nervous. And some of that's okay because sometimes the status quo might be fine. But I do think a bishop is naturally going to be cautious about things like that. And, you know, Bishop Barron obviously is a bishop. And so I think that gets them nervous that perhaps this isn't all, you know, all, all good. And I do think part of it is a misunderstanding, a kind of a ster- an old stereotype of traditional Catholics that I think Bishop Barron is is still holding that I think he needs to be better educated about kind of the new traditional movement, which I know is kind of an oxymoron uh, because, you know, traditional Catholics have always had a reputation justified or not of being angry, of being bitter, of being disrespectful of, of uh, ecclesial authority. And, and I think that he's rightly concerned. I mean, anybody who is like that, you should be rightly concerned about, but I think he misses the mark here because, in my experience, the traditional Catholic movement is very joyful. It's mostly the young, uh, much younger than me. I'm an old, I'm an old guy for that. Uh, and I think that it's a great movement for the church. It's giving vitality because, let's be honest, most parishes are going the opposite direction. And so it seems to me the bishops should be embracing this, like, hey, here's a place that is growing in the church, everywhere else is dying, maybe we should look at them and say, what are they doing? Yeah, maybe we need to critique a few parts of it here and there, nothing wrong with that, but maybe we should see what they're doing that that is attracting so many people and, and embrace those things. But that's not doesn't seem to be what Bishop Barron and other bishops are actually doing. Right, and in your article, Eric Sammons, you also pointed out that like, the traditional movement is exactly what Bishop Barron has been working towards. He always preaches against lukewarmness, against graying. And now he's sort of, in a way, joining this group that is um, turning gray towards this very movement that's full of zeal and passion. And so um, how do you think Bishop Barron has um, misinterpreted the traditionalist movement? And wh- how do you think that um, he should be interpreting it? Like, how should he see it? I think you should be seeing it as the actual new springtime that Pope John Paul II talked about. I think instead of focusing on maybe some crazy online people who usually use anonymous accounts and say stupid things, he should be looking at the, uh, the, the, the mother of eight who's struggling for holiness and loves the traditional Latin mass, the construction worker who, who is a traditional Catholic and he barely even is online. Those are the type of people who make up the traditional Catholic movement. They, they've, I, I've talked to so many people because I'm, I'm somewhat in the public sphere. People come to me all the time and they're people who were struggling at their ordinary parish, for lack of a better term, to really practice the faith. And they, they really struggle. They're just normal people. They're not, they don't have theology degrees. They're just working class people. They found the traditional Catholic parish. And now they're like, this is it. Amen. Now, I, I mean, they're really drawing closer to Christ. Those are the people I think Bishop Barron should be talking to, should be learning from, honestly, be listening to and saying, what is it that attracts you yeah. to these parishes? And I think you'll find the answer is exactly like you said, what he was been talking about for decades which is what they find is instead of the ordinary, they find the extraordinary, to use the terms in a different way. They find this fullness of Catholicism that they didn't experience before, this, this non-beige Catholicism, as Bishop Barron would say. And so I think if he learned from that, he would see that this is exactly what the bishop should embrace as a movement in the church that's bringing a new springtime. Yeah. Yes. Uh, sorry. 
Uh, yes, the uh, one thing that uh, really struck me, because I, I'm also a longtime Bishop Barron uh, listener, and I still listen to every episode of The Word on Fire that comes out, uh, but one thing that really always struck me was how much he uh, gives to, uh, time he gives to Protestants and atheists, which is all good things, I have no uh, qualm about that, but my concern is simply that he doesn't give any uh, five minutes to talk to a traditional Catholic um, and actually hear what we believe, uh, because I mean, me as a 23 year old uh, young man, I mean, he he talks about having this nostalgia. I mean, I I don't remember anything of uh, anything. I grew up uh, in a Novus Ordo parish uh, and uh, growing to uh, live teen masses uh, my whole life, and um, and it just seems like he hasn't talked to anyone who actually lives in this life and has uh, converted. Uh, reverted to the to the traditional faith, and it, it really struck me that way. And I, I, I think that this more young voices need to be heard. And uh, we people always talk about listening to the young people uh, when no one <laughs> ever actually does. Um, yeah, it is a weird thing because you're right. Uh, he does a great job of reaching out to non-Catholics, people who are antithetical to the faith. But for some reason, he, he's not really open to talking to traditional Catholics. I mean, I know a number of traditional Catholics, myself included, who have reached out to him, and we just get no response, uh, no desire to, to – I mean, the term of the day is dialogue, isn't it? And I, I don't get why uh, traditional Catholics seem to be the, the, the one group on the peripheries, to keep using the Pope Francis terms, the one mm-hmm. group on the peripheries that doesn't seem to be worthy of being reached out to. And I, I, I just really wish – because I do believe – that Bishop Barron could be a great ally of traditional Catholics. I mean, it doesn't need to be this kind of animosity between the two groups. And and, and I don't want to see animosity. And that's why I just wish that he would take, and I get that he might not want to have a public dialogue with maybe some of the more uh, extreme forms, maybe people who have criticized him very harshly, even me, I get that. But there are a lot of just regular traditional Catholics that, that practice their faith that I think it would be, it would be very beneficial to him and to the church if he would just sit down and talk with them, have a discussion. Why is it that they're attracted to traditional Catholicism? As I, as I said, and we've said, I think he'd find like, hey, wait a minute. That's exactly what I've been talking about for so long. Eric Sammons is our guest. We've been talking about his article on uh, the Beijing of Bishop Barron. We'll link to it so you can read it for yourself. You can find it at Crisis Magazine as well, crisismagazine.com. The other story I wanted to bring up, and we have about uh, three and a half minutes left with you, Eric, is the Bitcoin article. And I was fascinated by this because it's a, it's very, it's, it's a cryptocurrency that's very cryptic to, uh, to people that don't really understand, can't wrap their head around what is a decentralized, um, you know, currency. It's really, really confusing for the most part. But what more fascinated me was about how you envisioned using the technology that runs Bitcoin as a means for Catholic evangelists to reach the world uh, in a new and dark digital age. Can you speak to that? I was fascinated. Yeah, because what we're seeing is cancel culture is definitely coming for Catholicism. I mean, it already has started, but you see the big tech companies like Twitter, Facebook, Google, they're, they're starting to shut down and uh, delete, censor Catholic voices that talk about uh, transgenderism, homosexuality, abortion, whatever the case may be. The great thing about Bitcoin is the technology that underlies it is decentralized, which means no one person or entity controls it. Nobody can shut it down. You'd have to shut down the entire Internet to shut down Bitcoin and the technologies that are built on Bitcoin. 
Therefore, by using these technologies, we can basically evade cap, uh, cancel culture, and that allows us to, to reach out to more people with the gospel by using these technologies. And it's a great thing because big tech came to power because of the power of technology, but I believe it can be technology that can undermine their, their abuse of the power that they have. It, it, I think it's incredibly fascinating because we, we're in radio. Right now we're broadcasting over 50 radio stations around the country on the Station of the Cross and the Guadalupe Radio Network, on the Internet and, and uh, podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. And we, like on our YouTube channel, we get more and more subscribers every single day. We see the subscriber count, count go up, but we see sort of a, 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 a squashing of watch time and views of our content, no matter how many subscribers we have. So we definitely see it, uh, a sort of a, a censorship going on on the digital side. But is it truly possible in, uh, to overcome these challenges in the digital sphere uh, I wonder, with the way China runs their internet, would Bitcoin be suppressed around the world in the coming days, and therefore the technology that runs it? Well, the, the truth is, it, it's it's very, very difficult, almost impossible, really, to, it's actually impossible to completely shut down, without completely shutting down the internet, because of the nature of how, and without getting into technical details, the nature of how it's been, it runs, it's like, it, it runs all over the world, can, Servers all over the world, not Amazon can turn it off or anything like that. YouTube can't turn it off. In fact, there's already uh, projects that, that, for example, do video hosting that's decentralized, that, that it runs on the, what's called the blockchain. And China, United States, Korea, whoever, they just can't shut it down. And so it's, it's a really a, an amazing thing. And right now, all this stuff is early adopter. It's very early in, so it doesn't have the viewers that YouTube has. doesn't even have the great user interface of YouTube. But it's getting there. I've seen a huge development even in the past year or two. All right. I know you have a book on Bitcoin. Where do people find that? Uh, you can just go to my website, ericsammons.com. You can find all my books. All right. Check it out. It's all the rage among the young people, which is why Eric wrote it. But uh, crisismagazine.com. Check it out. We'll be back after this break. God bless This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say that the church needs to keep up with the times? G.K. Chesterton says that all this talk about keeping up with the times has been uttered hundreds of times before. To be up to date, he says, is a paltry ambition, except in an almanac. The church certainly does not need to imitate the secular world. In fact, what does the word secular mean? It does not mean worldly. It does not even mean irreligious. To be secular simply means to be of the age, that is, of the age which is passing, and in the case of anyone trying to keep up with the times, the age that is already past. So what the word secular really means is dated. The church's truth is never out of date, because it is eternal. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca, producer of the Catholic Drive Time Show. Heard Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. Central and 7 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. And I'm proud to tell you that Real Estate for Life is an underwriter of Catholic Drive Time. Real Estate for Life connects home buyers and sellers to real estate agents while supporting pro-life organizations, offering their clients a faith-based experience. They are online at realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. God love you. 
Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Monday, March 15th, and these are your headlines for today. Amazon has said that it stopped selling a transgender critical book because of its framing of LGBTQ plus identity as a mental illness. In a letter issued to several Republican senators on Thursday and first reported by the Wall Street Journal, a senior Amazon official explained why the company recently delisted a book critical of transgender ideology. On February 21st, scholar Ryan Anderson had said that he was made aware that his book, When Harry Became Sally, responding to the transgender moment, was no longer available for sale on Amazon.com. The book, which was sold on Amazon for three years, is still not available nearly three weeks later. While Amazon initially said the book violated its content policy, a senior Amazon official clarified on Thursday that the company has chosen not to sell books that frame LGBTQ plus identity as a mental illness. Anderson, president of the Ethics and Public Policy Center, authored the book, which was published in 2018 and was listed for sale on Amazon.com at the time. The book is a scholarly critique of the transgender movement, investigating the biological, psychological, and philosophical areas of the debate over gender ideology. Canada's vulnerable populations are being put at risk due to the new Bill C-7's expansion of euthanasia and assisted suicide to those with disabling, non-terminal conditions, including mental illness. An amended version of Bill C-7 is likely to be approved by the Canadian Senate, making Canada's euthanasia and assisted suicide laws some of the most permissible in the world. Bill C-7 is a response to the court's Truchon decision, a case where the judge determined that the reasonably foreseeable criteria, that death must be reasonably foreseeable in order to qualify for medical assistance in dying, contravened Canada's Charter of Rights and Freedoms. In the Truchon case, Jean Truchon, a Quebec, a Quebec man who had cerebral palsy, filed suit after his request to end his life was denied as his condition was not terminal. A judge ruled that Truchon and his co-plaintiff, Nicole Gladue, who has post-polio syndrome, could not be denied a euthanasia or assisted suicide if they wished to end their lives, and that euthanasia and assisted suicide should be available to Canadians without terminal conditions. And the Vatican said on Friday that it plans to lower operational expenses by 8% in 2021, while it relies on donations and funds from Peter's Pence to contain a growing deficit amid the coronavirus crisis. The Secretariat for the Economy released a 2021 budget for the Holy See on March 12th, showing a projected deficit of nearly $60 million. Peter's Pence will provide the Holy See with $57 million in income, with $37 million being used for operational costs and $20 million for charitable grants. Peter's Pence is the Holy See's annual collection to finance the Pope's charitable works and other priorities, including the Roman Curia. With the current crisis, Guerrero said, it is very likely that to cover costs in 2022, the Holy See will have to dip into the assets of the administration for the patrimony of the Apostolic See, which oversees real estate holdings and other sovereign assets. The expenses budgeted for 2021 are the lowest in the recent history of the Holy See, but a Vatican official said, if this situation goes on for too long, we will not be able to contain the deficit except with the support of the faithful. 
I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Praise be to Jesus Christ in all things. Thank you, Emily, for reading the headlines and keeping us up to date. Uh, before I forget, I want to thank a couple of people for hanging out with us in our live video streams. It always uh, makes a big difference to us. I want to thank Michelle and Lori and Patty and, and the others who are sharing our content or just smashing that share button. It really does help us to overcome some of those algorithm difficulties that we were talking about with Eric Sammons a little bit ago. So God love you. Thank you for doing it. If you're on YouTube right now, the like and the share button are huge to us, even more than the subscribe. But if you're going to subscribe, the bell notification icon is pretty important too. So God love you. Thank you for uh, for being a part of our show via our web streams. I wanted to mention as well that in the next hour, if you're at all able to join us in the next hour, uh, we would love to have you. We have our Fear and Trembling game show. It's a Catholic trivia game show. It's a lot of fun, and we give out prizes as well. But um, I forgot to ask, Emily, who is our prize sponsor this week? So this week's prize sponsor is JustLovePrints.com, and they're giving away a beautiful picture of the Holy Family. Oh, that's super cool. Praise be to God. Uh, so you could possibly win that this week. All you got to do is participate in the Fear and Trembling Game Show this week, and you'll have your opportunity to possibly, if it be God's will, have your name pulled out of the coffee cup of divine providence, as we like to say. All that happens in the next hour. So hopefully and prayerfully, you'll be able to join us for that. And you can always join us on our social streams, which we link to all of those platforms on our website at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Here in a moment, uh, Mr. Julio Laredo, he is with the TFP in Italy. TFP stands for Tradition, Family, and Property. We've had him on in the past, and he's supposed to be back on the program here in a little bit. And we're going to conversate about uh, some of the stories coming out of Europe. For instance, there is uh, a story being reported in the Epic Times that says most of Italy to enter lockdown as nation faces new wave of CCP virus outbreak. So it says most of Italy's 20 regions, including the regions surrounding the cities of Rome, Milan, are entering another round of lockdown that could last until Easter. Boy, remember last Easter when uh, we were all locked down and couldn't go to Holy Mass on the greatest feast day in the church's calendar? I don't know how about you, but I was I was pretty depressed. I remember crying uh, watching a Mass being streamed. It was so depressing to me. So Italy could be looking at that again. It says, uh, and it's doing this in order to curb the spread of the CCP virus, which which causes the COVID-19 disease. It says, a year after Italy became the first in Europe to suffer a major CCP virus outbreak, the nation once again finds itself in the middle of a surge in infections, this time with new variants, including those identified in the United Kingdom, South Africa, and Brazil. We'll link to the story so that you can read the details for yourself. But you know what fascinates me about this particular story, Emily? What is it? This morning I was listening to Joshua Phillips, and he does a, like a live Q&A thing on his YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a reporter with the Epic Times. Okay. And he was quoting brand new research out of John Hopkins University, which has been tracking the COVID-related data now going back to 2019 or late 2019. And um, he was, they were, this research was comparing and contrasting states in the United States that the states that did lockdowns versus the states that didn't. For instance, it compared Florida to California. And it pointed out that both of these states were completely contrast to each other in lockdown procedures and policies. And yet they basically fared the same as a result to COVID-related deaths and infections. And then it also compared South Dakota and I think Connecticut as well. 
mm-hmm. and it pointed out that both of those states had, I guess, a, a high number of COVID-related deaths. Both weren't locked. One was locked down. South, or Connecticut was locked down, and South Dakota didn't, and yet they had about the same number. So the report seemed to suggest that lockdowns aren't necessarily helping. But the downside to lockdowns, of course, is businesses are crushed, economy is crushed, and therefore families are suffering as a result, in addition to COVID-related deaths or infections. And yet we're seeing Europe go back into lockdown mode. Wow. We're seeing a doubling down in New York, for instance, with the now COVID passport that's being uh, uh, brought about. So you can't go to public events without without having the vaccine and having a password on your phone or a printed piece of paper that verifies that you've had the vaccine, that then and only then can you go to anything public. That's wow, that's incredible. And I really thought, you know, when when the Texas governor said that we were opening back up, I haven't really seen a difference since that day. Um, and because a lot of uh, businesses are still enforcing the same exact uh restrictions that they were before and i actually this was crazy i saw a video the other day of a baby this is a a lockdown baby that was born over a year ago it was this it's like a toddler she's walking and she's been in lockdown her entire life Mm. and her parents took her to the park for the first time she was over a year old and had never seen other children had never seen a a playground before It was an incredible video. She was tragic, she was in actually. shock. I know, and an entire generation of children now has um, been is is going to realize the effects of the trauma of this situation of of challenging their entire lives of 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 being shut down for many people in difficult situations. So you know, and so we're seeing protests all across Europe. When this is what we were hoping to have a conversation with Mr. Julio Laredo about, is we were seeing protests all across Europe. Uh, against the lockdowns that are still prevalent there, um, and I'm literally all across Europe, you're seeing these these issues where the people were like, "We're we're tired, we're done. We mm-hmm. need something to feel a little more normal these days," and and yet these governments seem to persist uh, down this road. So that's very very concerning. So we were hoping to have that conversation. I'm not sure why he's not on you with us yet. Uh, hopefully he'll jump on in a minute. We'll be able to have that conversation. But so the other thing that I think is related uh, to that is I saw a report this morning and we talked about this. I don't remember a couple weeks ago, at least we talked about the lockdowns, the COVID, the pandemic in relation to church attendance. Right. And now that things are opening back up, are the numbers coming back? And I, I, we kind of live in a little bit of a bubble, I would argue, uh, in the location we're currently in right now, right. where this studio is located, because it's a thriving diocese. It's it's big. It's you know there's a lot of people, so it it can feel different than if we stepped outside of this diocese and went to some other part of the country or the world. It would just feel different. Like for instance, in this article I read over on Gloria TV. It says, Netherlands, Catholics don't come back after COVID lockdowns. It's a very concerning uh, trend. The lockdowns are keeping people home. And then when they open up, people aren't going back to mass. That should be very concerning for Catholics. And we're going to have more of that conversation on the other side of this short break. Don't go anywhere. We'll mention that. Plus, there's another story. If Mr. Julio doesn't join us, I'd love to share with you this other story about your credit score changing to your internet history. St. Benedict calls the monastery a school for the Lord's service. 
One Minute Monk, Abbot Placid Zolari of Belmont Abbey. St. Benedict wants nothing harsh or burdensome, but knows that some strictness may be necessary. When we remember school, we know that it was not all easy or fun. We needed some discipline, which comes from the word for learning. It took time and practice to write a research paper or master a language or learn fractions. A good life is the same. We have to work at it consistently over time. Only then do we develop those habits of virtue which make us skilled at being good, which make the hard things easier. For your free copy of The Rule of St. Benedict, visit OneMinuteMonk.com. O-N-E-MinuteMonk.com. School may have been difficult, but now we treasure the learning. The same is true for our lives in the School of the Lord's Service. Hi, I'm Emily Alcaraz, and I'm the co-host of the Catholic Drive Time Show, which airs from Monday to Friday at 6 a.m. Central Time. I'm excited to announce our partnership with our new underwriter, Real Estate for Life. Real Estate for Life offers a faith-based experience while supporting the gospel of life. They work with over a thousand pro-life agents worldwide and generously support a variety of pro-life organizations. Their website is realestateforlife.org. That's realestateforlife.org. Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be out with you. I was just reading Kathy and her comment, our friend, our super fan from Danvers, Massachusetts. She says, good morning, saints. Not standing in front of an abortion clinic this morning, 11 degrees with 16 mile per hour winds, making it about negative three, feel like negative three degrees out. Yeah, praise be to God. Welcome to New England there, Kathy. Wow. (laughs) It gets pretty cold up there. Yeah. I used to live up there, and I remember those uh, very windy, very cold days where it would just just chill you right to the bone. But uh, thank you for being on with us again this morning, Kathy. Uh, Before we went to the break, I was mentioning some of the stories coming out of of Europe. Lockdowns are back in style, or protests all over Europe as a result of those lockdowns, and much backlash going on. So we wanted to have Mr. Julio on. For whatever reason, he didn't join us. We'll have to have him back. Uh, he's a great uh, guest, and we'll we'll definitely get him on the hook again. But uh, So I mentioned that there was this article about, in the Netherlands, people aren't returning to Holy Mass, and that is a very concerning um, statistic that I think we ought to be paying attention to and definitely praying about. And you couple that with now this new strange story out of the Vatican that came out. Was it Friday? Friday afternoon? Yeah, I think so. Everything happens on a Friday afternoon. Right. <laughs> but nobody's paying attention. Yeah. Like, look, squirrel! And oh, and by the way, uh, no more private masses at St. Peter's Basilica. Now, on the surface, it would seem that it's even-handed. So it doesn't say, okay, no traditional private masses versus ordinary private masses. It just says no private masses. So Nova Sordo or Extraordinary, doesn't matter. Uh, both are the same. But it does, when you read into the details, it does feel like it's somewhat of a uh, focused on the traditional form of the mass. Isn't that, uh, I know you reported on this story, Emily. Right. So they limited the the extraordinary form of the mass, the Latin mass, to just one altar. Um, and in the grotto. In the grotto. So they literally pushed the TLM underground. 
Right. So they're making <laughs> Into it. Into the catacombs. In the catacombs. <laughs> and praise God for it. That's a powerful place to say a mass, I would argue. Yeah, absolutely. But essentially what they're doing is making it a lot more, they're adding loopholes and making it a lot more difficult to celebrate the Latin mass because not only do they have to um, basically go through all these loopholes just to say a mass at St. Peter's Basilica, but now everybody who wants to celebrate the Latin mass from all the different communities, the Institute of Christ the King, the FSSP, all the traditional communities are now fighting, not fighting, but they have to um, all go for the same altar and schedule and work that out. So it's greatly decreasing and limiting the amount of Latin masses that will be said at St. Peter's. Now, ordinary mass or extraordinary mass, as far as the form goes, either way, uh, what kind of how sad would this be if you were a young priest, right? Let's just say, imagine you just you were just ordained not all that long ago, and you're given an opportunity to go on pilgrimage to to Rome, and you go to St. Peter's Basilica, and you can't say mass on one of the side altars. You're only you're relegated to concelebrating one of the three morning masses along with someone else. I mean, think about the missed opera. Think about how tragic that would be for so many priests. Um, to miss this wonderful, intimate opportunity to say a Mass privately on the side altar at St. Peter's Basilica. I mean, forget about the form of the Mass for a moment. I just, it's so tragic to me for these young priests that are not going to be able to experience that. Um, right. And, and in the TLM, there is no concelebration. That's right. Um, we, right. Concelebration is a whole conversation in itself, but. Um, yeah, like the article said from Catholic News Agency that so many priests in the Vatican, because the Vatican is just full of full of priests, they begin their day with a mass at St. Peter's Basilica because there are 45 side altars at St. Peter's Basilica. Imagine 45, 45 different separate masses, 45 holy sacrifices that are bringing grace to the Vatican, grace to all those priests, which desperately needs it. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, now, what, what I found rather interesting was the reasoning behind this new suppression of private masses. They see, and I don't have it in front of me. Do you have it in front of you? I am trying to pull it up. Now, the document was verified by independent sources. Now, they wanted to remain anonymous, but it wasn't. I think Edward Penton was one of the ones that verified the, that this was a legitimate document published by the Vatican, that this is the new policy and procedure. And it was interesting because it seemed to suggest that the reasoning behind this was they didn't want to disturb the faithful during the holy season of Lent with all of with the different uh, – they wanted sort of a consistent approach to Holy Mass at the Basilica during the season of Lent. But I don't see that that will change in Easter tide, right? Like, I don't think they're going to go back to saying private masses again after Easter, unless I'm mistaken. Right, no, it appears that this is a permanent change, and it's not because of the coronavirus, um, which, I mean, if it was because of the pandemic, it would have been something that would have happened a year ago. So this is completely unrelated from, like, pandemic things. Um, it's just a permanent change that, and I'm finding, I'm also struggling to understand the reasoning behind the letter, because... Um, this is a tradition that goes back to the beginning of the church, like side altars and side masses, something that has always been a, a norm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm trying to pull up the letter. I can't seem to find it. Yeah. But. One thing that I wanted to bring up is uh, Cardinal Burke actually spoke about this or wrote about this. Uh, National Catholic Register put out a article where they quote Cardinal Burke on this topic. He said that. Uh, it is a uh, it is contrary to the universal church law uh, for doing this. That this is contrary to the universal church law. He says, "Quote as it unjustly conditions the primary duty of the individual priest to offer the holy mass daily for the salvation of the world." 
Uh, so he's saying that he's limiting it to only four would be a direct violation of the universal church law. Uh, so that's, that's very important to note because Cardinal Burke is one of the um, chief canonist of the church today across the world. So the fact that he comes out and says this, um, it's kind of a big deal. It's kind of a big deal. Um, very sad to see that this is a, a, a new thing for St. Peter's Basilica. I'll never forget the, uh, the one time that I've been there in 2005. It was December of 2005. Just to be there, just to stand in the square looking at this building, you know, being wrapped around by the colonnade that surrounds you, the epic proportions, the row of, of saints in their statues uh, on the top of the colonnade, knowing that you can look up into the right into the papal apartments, and that's the window in which His Holiness stands every Wednesday to address the people of the world. It sent uh, shivers up my spine. Uh, I mean, it was just incredible. And then to go to Holy Mass there with, at the time, it was Pope Benedict, and uh, I was surprised he wasn't taller. <laughs> I, I stood about 15 feet away from him. I was uh, blown away by his little red slippers that were custom-made just for him. Um, you know, the Swiss Guard. I mean, the, 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 the people from all over planet Earth, every color, every tongue, all nations, the universal aspect of our, of our church on full display. The size of the holy water font when you walk in being so massive, the 10-foot-tall letters that wrap around the, the top of the, of the inside of St. Peter's Basilica. I mean, everything about the place is epic and incredible. And then you walk and you see all of these side altars, and there's adoration going on in one, and a mass set in another, and, and you realize the sacramental soul of our church for all souls all over the world, and it's just... It's, it's really, it blows you away. It really blows you away. It's so incredible. And to see the suppression is very depressing to me. Absolutely. Right. And um, uh, Edward Pinton in his National Catholic Register article says that we have a right, according to uh, Cardinal Burke, to make known to Pope Francis and to his Secretariat of State their strong objections to the documents in question, referring to the, um, the priests and bishops uh, throughout the world, and especially Rome, uh, saying and he's citing Canon 212 uh, there when he, when he mentions this. So I think uh, there's a lot coming out here. Uh, we had someone ask if Pope Francis came out and talked about this. Have we, have we heard from Pope Francis about this? No, no, Pope Francis hasn't said anything about it. So we have no word from... Yeah, the letter um, was from there. the Secretariat of State in the Vatican. So the Holy Father has not commented on it as of yet. Yeah, so we don't know if this was his wish or it was just somebody who was in charge of how uh, how masses are, are managed at the, at the Basilica. We don't really know. That's part of the problem is the document was unsigned, which is why journalists had to verify its authenticity because the rumors started to spread that the document was a forge. It was fake, uh, fake news, and it turns out it's not. Uh, again, Edward Penton EWTN correspondent has verified through his sources the document is legitimate. It did come from the Secretary of State at the Vatican. So, again, very sad turn of events. But, you know, I would, I would say this, though, is in regards to the extraordinary form of the Mass or the TLM, the Latin Mass, pushing it, pushing it into the grotto is not going to have the effect you think it's going to have. I mean, Masses said in the grotto in the early church were powerful, powerful uh, opportunities to spread Catholicism in the ancient world. 
And maybe, just maybe, it'll be an opportunity to do so again. We'll have to wait and see uh, how it goes. But a uh, very concerning story nonetheless. Uh, with about a few minutes left in our conversation, I do want to mention this story. And maybe we can conversate more about all of this in our after show, which is the last half hour of the next hour. If you're able to join us in the next hour, the second half of that hour, we have a what's concerning us, or rather a uh, uh, sort of we call it the after show. And you, our dear listener, get to drive that conversation. So if you're able to join us, then we'd love to have you. But I saw LifeSite News put out this article, and I want to mention this before we have to say goodbye this hour. It says, world financial leaders want to adopt China's nefarious system to determine credit using a person's internet history. Now, I reported on this, I don't know, a month and a half to two months ago. And this is, a, a, this is something that should also concern you. Your credit score based on your internet history, your social media posts, your politics, your investments. Oh, you're not investing in, in green, new, renewable energy uh, companies? You, were, you invested in oil and gas? Well, I'm sorry, we can't extend you that loan anymore. Oh, you're conservative online? You're, you're anti-LGBTQ you know, this? You're anti-abortion that? Oh, well, I'm so sorry, you can't bank here any longer. Think about that. That is rather insane. And a dark future awaits us if we adopt such things. Let us pray and do acts of penance that God's will be done in our lives, but the conversion of sinners happens in our midst, in our communities. That's going to do it for the first hour. Hopefully you'll be able to join us in the next hour. We have our Fear and Trembling Game Show. It's a lot of fun. I promise you'll learn something, and we give out prizes. So it's a win-win-win for everybody. Plus our after show, breaking news and stories, saying of the day, all of that. You can find the links at grnonline.com forward slash cdt. God love you. God bless you. We'll see you right back here, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. A friend of mine said that his church takes the Bible literally, but that the Catholic Church doesn't. Is that true? Catholics actually interpret the Bible in a literal sense, while many fundamentalists, evangelicals, and others interpret the Bible in a literalist sense. The literal meaning of a passage of Scripture is the meaning the author of that passage of Scripture intended to convey. The literalist interpretation of a passage of Scripture is, that's what it says, that's what it means. Here's an example to illustrate the difference. If you were to read a passage in a book that said it was raining cats and dogs outside, how would you interpret that? As Americans in the 21st century, we know that the author was intending to convey the idea that it was raining pretty doggone hard outside. That would be the literal or Catholic interpretation. The literalist interpretation would be that were you to walk outside, you would actually see cats and dogs falling from the sky like rain. No taking into account the popularly accepted meaning of this phrase. No taking into account what the author was intending to convey. The words say it was raining cats and dogs, so by golly, it was raining cats and dogs. That is the literalist or fundamentalist way of interpretation.
Now, if someone 2,000 years in the future picked up that same book and read it was raining cats and dogs outside, in order to properly understand that passage in the book, they would need a literal interpretation, not a literalist interpretation. Now, think about that in the context of interpreting the Bible 2,000 to 3,000 years after it was written. We need a literal or Catholic interpretation versus literalist or fundamentalist interpretation. A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Your Odyssey begins at the University of Dallas, the premier Catholic liberal arts university in Texas. With campuses in Irving and Italy, UD's rigorous core curriculum sets it apart. An education rooted in the great works of Catholic and Western tradition. An education that ennobles and enables students in their pursuit of wisdom, truth, and virtue. Undergraduate, graduate, and certificate programs available. Start your college odyssey at the University of Dallas today. Go to udallas.edu to learn more. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious, it's fun, it's your Catholic Drive Time. With Joe McLean and Emily Alcaraz. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. We survived the weekend. We can get back at it, right? I don't know. My weekend was pretty good. We got to go to a farm over the weekend. And it is always a lot of fun to visit a farm. If you haven't been to a farm lately, take your kids to a farm. Let them chase the chickens. You know, there was no goats. I was going to say play with the goats, but there were no goats. Uh, Cows, dogs, horses. I mean, this is a lot of fun. Praise be to God. Makes me want to farm. But uh, praise be to God, we have a great show lined up for you this hour. We just we wrapped up a sort of a What's Concerning Us segment, and we'll post that later today on YouTube and Rumble and other places. We're going to have our game show this hour, and new prizes are involved this week, so it's super exciting. Um, it's always a lot of fun, the game show. So if you've wanted to play before and you haven't, well, this is your opportunity. You can always call early if you have the number and be on standby, but we'll give out the number right before we go to break, and you'll the first caller gets to be the contestant. We're going to have breaking news and stories. We're going to have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then in the second hour of our show, which is streamed only on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, we won't be on the radio because Holy Mass will be broadcasting, then we will uh, have a, uh, a show that you get to drive, dear listener. You get to be in the driver's seat of what we talk about in the after show. So hopefully you'll join us for all our part of that of course the team is back with us good morning to you, emily good morning joe happy latari sunday late latari latare sunday the joy in the midst of penance do you think they just needed to give us a reprieve or like, like <laughs> i think everyone could use it maybe appreciate like it. maybe back when that got implemented uh you know the penance was actually penitential but i'm not <laughs> sure it's as penitential as it used to be uh, I don't know. Adrian, do you think we need we 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 interrupt this penance to bring you a break? Well, not anymore. Uh <laughs> the uh, the fasting days it, it actually it makes me laugh sometimes thinking about it. The fasting days are mandatory by the church two times a year and then people sometimes forget and they're like, "Oh man, I forgot. <laughs> oh darn. The two times a year we have to fast." Yeah. Um so 
No, not really. But, uh, oh, interesting factoid I learned this weekend. Apparently, it used to be an excommunicable offense if you did not keep the Wednesday and Friday fast and abstinence. Uh, and if you were a priest, you were automatically deposed. What? If you didn't keep the fast and abstinence. That's crazy. Yep. Wow. That's wow. high stakes. High Yikes. stakes. Yikes. But, uh, you know, Padre Pio, for instance, even as a kid uh, growing up living with his parents, uh, only ate meat every once, like once a year, maybe. Sometimes a, a few times more, but very rarely did they even have meat. They lived off of bread mostly, I think. What do you think about being vegetarian, Adrian? Just like the saints. Uh, no, the saints were <laughs> definitely not vegetarian. I, and I affirm this by saying that our Lord and Savior, know, Jesus Christ, exactly, yes. ate lamb at Preach least it, once Brother a year. Adrian. Preach it. There we go. I feel very passionately uh, about this. How, how many fish did they eat? One more, one more time. Uh, the nets full, busting at the seams. Well, that would be veganism. How many, uh, how many lamb were slaughtered? And that in anyway, we digress. <laughs> I wanted to mention before we pray and jump into our hour this hour that next week we launch our spring Sherathon. It's a quarterly on air fundraiser that keeps our radio apostolate across the Guadalupe radio network up and running, alive and well. And you, my dear listener, are the wind in the sails of the GRN. So four times a year, we jump on the air and we ask for your prayerful support, your financial support. So what's going to happen is next week starting on tuesday tuesday through friday this hour of drive time won't actually happen so we in fact the catholic drive time team will be on the air tuesday through friday uh next week from at 6 a.m central standard time it'll be seven o'clock eastern however our second hour will be moved to nine o'clock central time just for next week, Tuesday through Friday. All right. So I know it's confusing, but we're going to split our two hours next week on Tuesday through Friday. Our second hour will be 9 a.m. Central, uh, 10 Eastern. So hopefully you'll be able to join us for the very special Catholic drive time that'll happen next week during Sherathon. But the 6 a.m. Central hour will be normal. All right, let's pray. We're behind the ball already. Uh, we have a, a Fear and Trembling game show coming up, plus the breaking news. Whatever your intentions are, we are asking Our Lady, Queen of Heaven and Earth, to intercede for you and for us by taking these intentions to her Son. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O mother of the word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and now the headlines with Emily Alcrest. The Catholic University of America has announced a return to full-time in-person classes for the next semester saying that the school's protocols have made it possible. University President John Garvey acknowledged that while online classes had many benefits, the Catholic University experience is one that is lived together in community, in the classroom, in the lab, in the dining hall, on the sports field, and in the chapel. Going into the fall of 2021 semester, Garvey said that many of the safety protocols we have developed over the past year will remain in place, and that the health and safety of our community remains a top priority. Other universities throughout the country are also announcing a return to in-person learning in the upcoming fall semester. The president of the Pontifical Council for Christian Unity, Cardinal Kurt Koch, 
has supported a suggestion that Catholics and Orthodox work to agree on a common date to celebrate Easter. A representative of the Patriarchate of Constantinople to the World Council of Churches said a common Easter date could be a sign of encouragement for the ecumenical movement. Orthodox Archbishop Job, Job Getcha of Telmesis suggested that the year 2025, which will be the 1,700th anniversary of the first ecumenical council of Nicaea, would be a good year to introduce this reform of the calendar. The first council of Nicaea, held in 325, decided that Easter would be celebrated on the first Sunday after the full moon following the beginning of spring, making the earliest possible date for Easter March 22nd and the latest April 25th. Today, Orthodox Christians use the Julian calendar to calculate the Easter date instead of the Gregorian calendar, which was introduced in 1582 and is used by most of the world. Because the Julian calendar calculates a slightly young, longer year, it's currently 13 days behind the Gregorian calendar. Cardinal Koch said, It will not be easy to agree on a common Easter date, but it is worth asking for it. And also added, This wish is also very dear to Pope Francis and also to the Coptic Pope, Tawadros. And Pope Francis said on Friday that going to confession is an act of abandoning oneself to love, allowing the God of love to heal and transform one's heart. Addressing more than 800 priests and seminarians participating in a course on the internal forum organized by the Apostolic Penitentiary, the Pope said that a good confessor is always called to see this miracle of change, to be aware of the work of grace in the hearts of penitents. And the Holy Father also added, quote, the penitent who encounters in the sacramental conversation a ray of this welcoming love allows himself to be transformed by love, by grace, beginning to experience that transformation of the heart of stone into a heart of flesh, which is a transformation that takes place in every confession. Throughout his pontificate, Pope Francis has frequently encouraged Catholics to receive God's forgiveness in the sacrament of penance. His prayer intention for the month of March is for a renewed experience of this sacrament of reconciliation. I'm Emily Alcaraz, and these are your Monday morning headlines through a Catholic lens. Pope St. Zachary, pray for us. He was born in the 8th century. He was the son of Polychronius. He was, uh, little else is known about his life, actually, his very early life. But he did eventually become a deacon and was an advisor to Pope Gregory III. And then eventually was elected the 91st Pope of the Catholic Church. He was the first Pope after St. Gregory the Great to not seek imperial confirmation of his election. He negotiated peace between the Lombards and the Greek Empire. He restored the Lateran Palace and many other churches around Rome. He encouraged the missionary work of St. Boniface and appointed St. Abel as Archbishop of Reims in France. When the Venetian slavers brought, bought slaves at Rome to sell to the Saracens in Africa, Zachary bought all of them so that the Christians should not become the property to heathens. He translated the dialogues of Gregory the Great into Greek, and many of his actions among the royal powers of the day echoed for centuries to come. He died on the 22nd of March, 752 of natural causes, and is buried at St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Pope St. Zachary, pray for us. And the gospel comes to us from John chapter 4, verses 43 through 54. At that time, Jesus left Samaria for Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his native place. When he came into Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, since they had seen all that he had, that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast, for they themselves had gone to the feast. 
Then he returned to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. Now there was a royal official whose son was ill in Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and asked him to come down and to heal his son, who was near death. Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The royal official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, You may go, your son will live. The man believed what Jesus said to him and left. While the man was on his way back, his slaves met him and told him that his boy would live. He asked them when he began to recover. They told him the fever left him yesterday about one in the afternoon. The father realized that just at that time, Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. And he and his whole household came to believe. Now this was the second sign Jesus did when he came to Galilee from Judea, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Adrian, you got cut off last hour. You were trying to make some frivolous point about Dominicans, and then you never got to comment. So I'm going to give you the floor and let you comment on the gospel today. Well, there's never a frivolous point about Dominicans. <laughs> uh, but yes, there's a lot to say from Cornelius Halapide. He has quite a bit to say about this passage, but I guess I'll focus on a couple things so as to not go on forever. Um, he One thing he says, he notes that it was likely that he was actually a king. He says in the Greek, uh, the word uh, and translated into Latin is regulus, which is a little king, meaning he thinks that he was a king of a small area. And so not just a nobleman, but a, a ruler of a small area. And he said this is important because it symbolized a royal race humbling himself, as it says, coming down. And he said he would have traveled about 14 leagues, uh, which I'm not sure exactly how far that is, but I think Cornelius Lapide here says about, it had been about 14 hour walking distance um which honestly 14 hour driving distance sounds a lot to me uh 14 hour walking distance sounds like much more um so he talks about that and in this he says that how how this is important because of how it symbolizes uh, even the royalty uh coming down descending down from the mountain con condescending uh just like our lord condescended as god and became man uh, at the nativity so that's very important to note as well. Um, another thing that's important to note, he also says that he believes that he is a Jew. He said that this was uh, confirmed by Jerome and Origen, uh, amongst others. And the reason why he believes he's a Jew is because it appears as though he had little faith. Not a lot of faith, but not no faith. Um, and if he had a, a lot of faith, he said it would be more likely that he was a Gentile um, because it, the Gentiles tend to respond to Christ uh, with a greater faith than those of the Jews. But here he has a little faith. Uh, why does he have a little faith? He said, because he brought down his people in order to ask our Lord to come. And he said that if he had a lot of faith, he would have believed that the uh, that he could heal him just by his very word. Um, and here he said that he, there are two miracles that are being performed. Uh, miracle number one is obviously the healing of the child, um, the child with the fever. 
The second miracle is the miracle of the mind of the king himself, of the nobleman, and that miracle being a healing of belief. And so he comes to belief by this miracle, and also his son is healed. And Theophilus notes that this is uh, symbolic of the son being uh, fevered, being deprived of uh, pleasures and desires, being deprived with uh, pleasures and desires, and the father of all those who struggle with faith and how we, our Lord, can bring us to belief. All right, speaking of belief, I believe it's the time to play the game. So if you would like to be a contestant on our Fear and Trembling Game Show, now is your opportunity if you've never played before, or it's been at least a month since the last time you played, call right now, 877-757-9424-877-757-9424-877-757-9424 is the phone number to call. After this short break, Fear and Trembling is on the agenda and prizes are involved. It's going to be super fun. We can't wait. Looking forward to your call right now. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Catholic Drive Time is coming up. Blessed John Paul II once said, As the family goes, so goes the nation, and so goes the whole world in which we live. How easy it is to point fingers and place blame for the mess in which our society has found itself. But stop just for a minute and ask... What have I done to make it better? Is my family doing anything to improve the world? Possibly the most effective thing a family can do for society is pray together regularly. Pray for our president every single day. Pray for all our government leaders, our bishops and priests, our teachers, our military, our business owners. Create a list of family petitions. If the teenager puts an anonymous prayer request on the list, let it be anonymous. Prayer is our greatest weapon to change the nation and the world. Remember what Father Patrick Payton said, the family that prays together stays together. This has been a minute for your marriage and family with Balanced Families Ministries. So many of us carry such heavy burdens. She's having a relationship with George. It's disgusting. It's dis- Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit catholicscomehome.org. Having trouble with your car radio? No worries. The Guadalupe Radio Network has just released our new version of our app. With the app, you can get a crystal clear connection of your local station no matter where you are. You can also listen to podcasts of past shows and find more ways to connect with us. Getting the new app is easy. Just search the App Store on your phone for the Guadalupe Radio Network and either download it or if you already have it, choose the update option. Happy listening! Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. And now your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, our Catholic trivia game show where we have a secret and hidden agenda to secretly teach the faith a little bit. You always learn something you probably didn't know before. We have a laugh in the process because it's a lot of fun. 
and we give out prizes. So it's a win-win-win for everybody involved. But if you're just joining us right now, you've you've never heard this before. For your sake, let me explain. It's a, a Catholic trivia game show where I have three Catholic trivia questions, and I don't ask the caller these questions. So the caller does not actually need to know the answers to any of these to still be a winner. Uh, what happens is I ask Emily, I ask Adrian. One of them will have a right answer. The other will be wrong, and the caller will have 15 seconds on the clock to decide who do they trust more. Do they trust Emily? Do they trust Adrian? Well, uh, every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tell them what they could win, Emily. This week's sponsor is JustLovePrints.com. Now, Just Love Prints is a company started by Catholic artist Lindsay Treza, and she creates beautiful works of art, prints and stickers. Um, and this week, she's giving away the print called Love at First Sight, which is an image of the Holy Family and the Nativity. So it's a beautiful image that you can use to meditate on. All right. Praise be to God. We want to thank everybody who tries to call in to be a part of our game show. It's always a lot of fun to talk to you, but we always take the first caller. And uh, good morning, John. Thank you for being on the program. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, John, where are you calling from? Dad City, Kansas. Kansas? What? No That's, way. This is like the first Kansas Hello. call on the Catholic Trivia Game Show. So praise be to God. Uh, welcome to the show, John. We're very grateful to you. Uh, where do you go to church, John? I go to uh, the Cathedral of Our Lady of Guadalupe here in Dodge City. Hey now, praise be to God. Dodge City and Our Lady of Guadalupe. We have a, a particular love for Our Lady of Guadalupe being on the Guadalupe Radio Network, of course. And John, yes. are you familiar with the game? Do you understand how the rules are played? Yes, I do. All right, so you know Adrian and Emily could try to trick you, so you have to right. keep an, a careful ear out. But just know, John, that I am on your side, even if they are not, okay? Are you ready okay. to go? Yes. It's, uh, it could be Tricky Question Monday. I'm not sure. Let's just see how this goes. Emily, we will start with you, as is our custom. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Absolutely. Here we go. Emily, can you tell me what empire was begun by the German ruler Otto the First? Otto the First. Okay. I believe this was the Holy Roman Empire. Are you sure? I, I believe so. You believe so. Okay. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me what empire was begun by the German ruler Otto the First? Uh, let's see. The Emperor hmm, Otto the First. I'm going to go with the Ottoman Empire, maybe? The, uh, the Ottoman Empire. Yep. Okay. So Adrian is on the hook for the Ottoman Empire, and Emily is on the hook for the Holy Roman Empire. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? John, what say you? I'm going to say it's Emily. Survey says... Good wow. start. Wow. I thought I was going to get him That's with impressive. that one. Nice, strong start there, John. You weren't thrown... Did you know that one, or just uh, Emily's guess was better? Well, Emily's guess made more sense. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, I've been saying this for a long time, John, that Adrian doesn't make a lot of sense, but somehow, hey, some way. Ottoman Empire is a real empire. It is, but not by Otto. <laughs> I, I thought it was a good guess. <laughs> they might be uh, opposed to one another. I'm just saying, the Ottoman Empire and the Holy Roman Empire. Uh, praise be to God. All right, John, good, well done. You're in the coffee cup of divine providence. Let's go to our second question. Adrian, we'll start with you this time. Are you ready? Uh, maybe. Here we go. Adrian, can you tell me, what month, what month is dedicated to St. Joseph? 
let's see. Let me think about that. I am gonna go with the month of June, the month right after the uh, Blessed Virgin Mary. Right after the Blessed Virgin. Okay, so you're on the hook for June. Let's see what Emily has to say. Emily, can you tell me what month is dedicated to St. Joseph? June makes a lot of sense because Father's Day is in June, but the Mm. correct answer is actually March. It's this month because his feast day is on the 19th. She sounds very assertive. She stared you down as she said it. I was very impressed. All right, so... I'm kind of offended. Emily is on the hook for March, and Adrian is on the hook for June. 15 seconds on the clock. Who's right? Who's wrong? John, what say you? Well, I thought it was March, so I'm going to have to go with Emily. Survey says... Wow. Yes. Two for two. This is very impressive. <laughs> Why are you so excited today? It's our first know. Kansas call on the uh, Fear and Trembling Game Show and strong showing. John, well done. Did you already know the Thank answer you. to that? Was that a, too easy of a question? Should I ramp them up a little bit? What do you think, John? No, that was. I knew the answer to that one because uh, I'm doing. Uh, ah, what am I trying to say? I'm, yes, I am. Doing the. Consecration through St. Joseph right now. So I need oh, to- oh, very <laughs> cool. Father Calloway consecration. Right. Praise be right. to God. Well, that's exciting. We're big fans. In <laughs> fact, a uh, l- little fascinating fact, Emily and Adrian recorded a, a special interview with Father Calloway, and we're going to give it away free to all those that call in donations next week during our share So, uh, And okay. it's all to do with St. Joseph. So that was an easy question. So let's make this last one. Uh, a little bit more, not complicated, not tricky, but interesting. How about that? Uh, let's start with you, Emily. Okay. Emily, are you ready? I'm ready. Emily, can you tell me what term refers to a monetary offering given to clergy when they administer the sacraments? For instance, baptism, wedding, funeral. What do we call that when we give the priest a little money after administering the sacraments? Probably... I would say this is a tithe. That's tithe. Yeah, Could I've be. heard that that phrase used before. Be, tithe. Be. Let's see what Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me what term refers to a monetary offering given to clergy when they administer the sacraments? For instance, baptisms, weddings, funerals. What do we call that? Uh, let's see. I, you know, initially you make you want to think like I don't know a um, a stipend, but I'm gonna go with a stole fee. Stole fee. No, stole fee. I'll give a little hint here because it is a more interesting question. Think of the, what the traditional response might be. So, Adrian is on the hook for a stole fee, and Emily was on the hook for what'd you call it? A tithe. A tithe. A tithe. A tithe. Yes. Okay. So Emily's on the hook for tithe. Adrian is on the hook for stole fee. Fifteen seconds on the clock. Last question, John. Who's right? Who's wrong? What say you? I'm gonna say tithe. Survey says. Oh, oh, no. I'm so sorry, John. In fact, it is called a stole fee. Not that they stole it, but the stole they wear around their neck. So, uh, but, you're, but you're in the cup twice, John. Very strong showing today. We're very grateful for your time uh, for being on the program today from Can- Dodge City, Kansas. Our first ever Kansas call for the game show. We're very excited, John. All right. Thank you. God love you, John. We're going to put you on hold. We're going to get your phone number in case it be God's will that your name be drawn out of the coffee cup of divine providence on Friday. So you'll have to tune in to see if it's uh, if it's your name pulled out. But uh, have a great day to you, John. God bless you and God love you. 
Thank you very much. All right, that is going to do it for the first hour of the game show. And uh, what's going to happen next is, actually, the first hour of the game show, the first hour of the, of the CDT program. The game show will be back tomorrow with three new opportunities. If you've not played before, please do keep the phone number handy. You can always call in early if you'd like and uh, be on hold. Uh, but we do give out the number right before we go to break. Uh, we're very grateful to all those that hang out with us on social media. What happens is when we go to the after show, if you're listening on the radio or you're listening on a mobile app right now, you might consider jumping on YouTube or Facebook or Twitter. YouTube is a great place to go just because you don't have to have an account to, to hang out there. You can just get the link and, and hang out with us live. And you can do that by going to our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt grnonline.com forward slash cdt and you can find the links to where we post our social feeds you can find uh details about us all the radio stations we broadcast to you can get videos our sponsor links everything is there grnonline.com forward slash cdt i want to remind you that next week starting on tuesday our second hour of our show will be pushed back to 9 a.m. Central, starting on Tuesday through Friday, just for next week only. It'll go back to regular the week after that. All right, so I just want to give you that warning, heads up. So in the after show, what happens is you, our dear listener, get to drive the conversation. Whatever you want to conversate about, that's what we conversate about. And today we're going to cut it a little short. We're going to end about 45 after because Adrian, uh, our producer, is going to be producing uh, the first radio version of Bree Dale's new program, Bree Dale and Joy Mignon. They have a program called Intersections, and they're based out of Rome, Italy. And they're going to be talking about the headlines from a Catholic perspective. And Bree's a journalist. So very insightful, Very going to be very interesting. We're very excited about it. And Colm Flynn will be on with them. Oh, it's going to be a powerful show. That will broadcast at 8 o'clock Central Standard Time, 9 Eastern, right here across the Guadalupe Radio Network. So tune in for that. We'll also stream it live on our social platforms. All that still to come today. But uh, we're very grateful you're on our program. We'll have a new guest lined up for you tomorrow. New topics, new opportunities to conversate with you, our dear listener. But if you can hang out with us for the after show, join us. Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. Find all the links at grnonline.com forward slash CDT. That's going to do it for the radio side. God love you. God bless you. Have a great day. We'll see you right back here tomorrow, 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Until then, God bless. for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. Welcome to the After Show of Catholic Drive Time. Praise be to God. Thank you for hanging out with us. Where you get to drive the conversation. Whatever you want to talk about, make sure you leave it in the com box of uh, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter. And we will conversate with you about whatever you would like to talk about. The After Show is a little bit more casual conversation. Uh, less formal. And we let our hair down. And some of us have more hair than others. Praise be to God. So I see uh, lots of people hanging out with us. Angelo, good morning to you. Good to see you. Kathy, of course. 
Anna on and Chris. I'm looking on uh, YouTube side here. Uh, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Jesus Morano. Good morning to you. God love you, Monica. Good to see you. Praise be to God. I'm glad to hear. Last week you said that the job was going well. I'm very glad to hear that. Praise be to God. Uh, who's on? Uh, who's on the uh, YouTube side or the Facebook side there? Over on Facebook, we have Christopher Chance, of course. Jesus was commenting on the game show. Um, let's see. Of course, we had Patty, first hour. Who else was here? Lori and Joaquin. Joanne. We had Joanne. Yeah, praise be to God. Uh, Gloria over on Facebook site. Good morning to you. She was commenting on the story out of Rome and the private masses. Um, we'll talk about that, too, of course. In the after show, if that's what you want to talk about, whatever you want to talk about, comment, let us know. Uh, Angela is asking about our, our Divine Providence mugs. The uh, coffee cup of Divine Providence Catholic Drive Time branded mug. Uh, have we decided how to give these away yet? No, actually we have not. Uh, we need to come up with a decision. We need to dis discuss this and figure out what is the best means with which to distribute our wonderful cups. So we, I guess he's holding our feet to the fire here. Uh, Angela being one of our super fans. We're going to have to make a decision how we're going to do this. Probably it'll have something to do, I'm sure, that we will co co communicate through our email list. So if you're not on the email list, please join the email list over on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Now, I've been told that just simply, doesn't like the cheapest coffee you can buy, automatically tastes infinitely better in one of our mugs. I've heard that too, actually. I'm pretty sure that's true. I've experienced that myself. Yeah, yeah. So uh, you could have no longer spend a lot of money on expensive coffee. Just get our mug, and then your coffee is instantly better uh, by the grace of God. Now, how do you get one? Well, we have to figure this out. And I promise you, by the end of this week, we'll have an answer for you. How about that? I'll make that commitment to you. We'll have an answer for you by the end of this week. You know what I did? My wife and I have. Um, in addition to spending time together every Saturday going over Trustful Surrender to Divine Providence, which is just awesome. I love the time that her and I have together every Saturday morning amidst the chaos of children to uh, drink our coffee and, and read together, pray together. It's been a real blessing. But one of the other things my wife and I have been really enjoying doing is watching um, historical-based dramas. And we started watching... Did you guys watch the John Adams series from HBO that came out in like 2008? Definitely not. I was watching cartoons in 2008. <laughs> oh my. Yeah, I was watching the Batman animated series. Oh. I was watching Dragon Tales. <laughs> okay. It is rough being the old man in the room. We were like, what, just, 10? Yeah. Okay. Well, in, in 08, uh, I, I, I didn't have HBO. We canceled cable a long, long time ago. So I was able to purchase the series. And it's very good. It is. I love the fact, like, for instance, there's a series called Texas Rising. Uh, that's sort of, it's recounting the history of Texas, uh, how Texas became its own republic, how it defeated Santa Ana, et cetera, et cetera. The creators of the Texas Rising felt the need to add, in, like, tons of extra junk into the plot lines, characters that didn't actually exist. They weren't real people, uh, you know fornication violence just like they we interrupt this plot line to bring you this drama i mean it's just so ridiculous i could i can't stand it they didn't do that with john adams 
there's drama in there, but they do more insinuation than they do just being so like literal. And it just, it's just really good. It's a really good series. It's a fascinating, uh, thing to go back and, and look at history. I particularly love history is my favorite subject out of all the subjects I studied. And uh, I highly recommend it. It's very, very good. So if you can, Download the John Adams series from HBO. I think you'll appreciate it. Rosanita, no, Rosentina. Is that how you say that? Rosentina, thank you for sharing our Facebook feed. We're very grateful to you. Um, Mr. Thomas, he uh, just hopped on. He said, good morning from Florida. I am late today because of the change in time. I woke up late. Oh, Mr. Thomas, I hope that you weren't late for anything uh, other than us, because we're we're fine, we'll be okay. Uh, <laughs> but uh, hopefully, you didn't weren't late to work or anything like that. God bless you, Mr. Thomas. Yeah, Amen. Now, I don't often sing the praises of Apple, but uh, ever since Apple, I've had an Apple phone. I never had to set the time again because it does it automatically. It is pretty nice. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's got to be one of the benefits to humankind. Oh, I was so confused on Sunday because my alarm goes off right, and my phone is my alarm, so it's the right time waking me up. But then I wear a watch on my wrist and I sleep with the watch on. So when I wake up, I'm like, oh, "What time is it?" And I check the time. I'm like, "What? I got like another hour. Why is my alarm going off?" And I <laughs> grab my phone and check, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, daylight savings." And I run down the stairs to wake up my parents. Uh, to make sure they're awake, <laughs> ready for mass, because they still use an alarm. Um, my, the old people, I don't know. Still old use people. an alarm. <laughs> Ouch. Wow, man. Well, uh, my last year, two years of high school, I didn't use any alarm. Uh, I trained myself to wake up by, t- by the time I needed. And by the grace of God, it worked. Sto- story topper. I just get my guardian angel to wake me up. Amen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Jesus Robles seems to think that I threw the... Uh, uh, John off from Kansas on that last question. Totally. Do you, do you guys think I, I <laughs> ruined it for him? You totally threw him under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Seuss. Shame, my I friend. thought you were on their side. You always I tell them. I am on their I was trying to help. I was trying to be of help. Mm-hmm. Was I, was, was, am I, let me know, listener. Do you think I threw that off? Do you think he would have gotten it right if it hadn't been for my helpful tip? Uh, let, let us know in the comments. I'd love to know what you're thinking helpful. is. Uh, Joanne, praise be to God, she commented earlier on the Bishop Barron story. She says, celebrity syndrome interferes with the message. It does. Now, okay, so I'm a, the youngins here in the audience and in the studio don't remember um, Father Karapi. I do. You do? Yeah. Okay. I just discovered him a couple, like a year ago. Now, Father Karapi is an interesting character. I have... Uh, I've had personal dealings with Father Crappie in my past, um, having worked for an organization that used to hire him. So I can share details that uh, I won't. I won't share the details, but I could is what I'm saying. Share details about his the way he conducted business. And let me just tell you, it was very scandalous the way he conducted business on the back end. Very, very scandalous. And I can say that from, from personal experience. Having said that, the... Pro- so, I take responsibility for helping to create the monster that became, and I air quotes, the monster uh, that became Father Crappie. Because we kept hiring him. We kept, we kept bringing him in, in spite of the scandal he was creating on the back end with organizations like ours. And I mean ours, I mean the organizations I used to work with. Um, and the reason why we did that 
the reason why we, we put up with his shenanigans in order to work with him was because we felt that he drew a crowd. His personality drew a crowd. And we wanted that, so we used him. And I was always scandalized by that somewhat. And uh, I think there's something to that. The celebrity priest is probably under the greatest temptation. And I, I worry for people like, for instance, Father Mike Schmitz. Now, I don't know anything on the back end about Father Mike Schmitz. And as far as I know, he's a great guy, wonderful priest, and easy to work with. I have no information beyond that, but I do worry about him. Do you guys ever think about that that kind of thing? I, I have been thinking about that. And I've been praying for him because I'm following the Bible in a year podcast. And it really just, I mean, I, I thank God that Father Mike Schmitz is able to produce so much content, but I hope that he is also able to take care of himself and his primary vocation of, you know, serving the ministry that he works in, the college ministry. Yeah. Yes, I am a huge advocate of the monastic communities, uh, especially like uh, you look at... um the Dominican friars, for instance, and uh, all preaching orders are like this, uh, but Dominicans being the original preaching orders, um, the the format of the way they worked, and I think this is, a, there needs to be, maybe it, it's the Dominicans, or maybe it's a new order that starts, uh, but the, the format of giving talks and being internet famous, there has to be a way to disconnect from that as a priest. And the way the Dominicans would do it oh, back way back when is they would always travel in pairs. And so whenever they were giving a talk, the brothers uh, giving a parish mission, the brothers would be in the back praying for them or in the confessional. Um, and then they would always be together afterwards, traveling together in order to make sure that no one gets a big head, that they are always uh, humbled by the fact that their brothers are with them. The brothers are also preaching Um this was there. There's a huge temptation here, being on air, being um, a Catholic famous, and trying to and trying to retain humility. And that's why it's important to have close friends that are willing to do that. Matt Frad talks about this all the time. Where he has, he says, um, he talked about how he has asked very specifically some of his friends to rein him in if anything happens, or if he starts going off the deep end, or he needs to be reined in. Then he needs to that has his friends to please, please rein him in. Um, because that's very necessary, especially in that line of work. Amen. It's yeah, and there's been several stories of priests that have fallen into this sort of celebrity category and didn't end well. Father Crappie is is one of them. There are other examples, of course, and uh, we'll pray that uh, Father Mike Schmitz remains very humble and obedient. That's the test. I th- I'm reminded of um, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, Venerable Fulton Sheen, after his. Uh, not just his ordination, but getting his advanced degrees, he came home to uh, Illinois, and he he was already well loved for his preaching and for his teaching, and could have been a, a a superstar even at that early age. But his bishop put him into I think it was a local Catholic school. No, it stuck him in a little bitty parish in the outskirts of town. Yeah, for like a year, and then after the year, he released him to go and, and pursue God's will for his life, which obviously we all know now was pretty amazing. So uh, obedience, and that I think is part of the the point I was making in the gospel reflection today, you know, the virtue of obedience, as St. Paul would say in Philippians, obedience unto death, even death on a cross. Obedience is such an important aspect uh, of the Christian faith, and it's one that I personally have struggled with over the years, being obedient to those in rightful authority over me. And uh, and accepting their 
accepting that they have an authority to say the bot this is the bottom line and I may disagree I may not like it I may I may have a contrary opinion but they but they get to make the final choice because they're an authority over me like that's been always been a hard thing but there is a great virtue in obedience I'm Padre Pio is an excellent example of someone who accepted that authority even when they were wrong and there were examples um, we're going to run out of time here in a few minutes and before we do, because we have to get off early today because of Bree Dale's show that's going to be airing live across the GRN at 8 a.m. Central and right here on our social platform. So you can always stick around. 8 a.m. Central will start uh, uh, streaming that show live. But before we do, I wanted to get to Mr. Thomas's comment really quickly. He's wanting to know what we do on the weekends. He's heard about what I've done. He wants to know what the two of you do on, on your weekends. Oh, <laughs> so much. Um the thing, biggest thing that I do is sleep. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Saturday and Friday nights, I will uh, usually go to bed and then wake up at around noon. <laughs> uh, so the that's usually, uh, but usually I'll hang out with some friends, and that's part of keeping me humble. Uh, my friends will definitely uh, have no uh, bones about it. They uh, very easily will call me out and be like, "Adrian, you're terrible! Oh my gosh, why do you why do you do X, Y, or Z?" It's good to have good Catholic friends. Like this last Sunday, we had a birthday party, so we all drove down, had mass together, and then had brunch afterwards. So it's really nice. So that's what I do. That's good. I volunteer on the weekends, catch up on schoolwork, and hang out with friends. All right, there you go. Praise be to God. God is so very good. Thank you all for joining us today for Catholic Drive Time and the After Show. We cut it short just because Adrian needs to make sure, guarantee that the Breedale program will run properly. So we're gonna, we have to give him extra time today. But tomorrow we'll do a full half hour of the After Show. So we hope that you can join us. Please do us a favor. Smash the share and the like button on YouTube. Share, like, and subscribe. Similar functionality over on the Facebook side. That really helps. Retweet this on Twitter. Help us to grow the audience. It means a lot to us. We're praying for you. Hope you'll continue to pray for us. And we'll see you right back here tomorrow, 6 a.m. Central for Catholic Drive Time, 7 Eastern. God love you and God bless you. And we'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you.
Hey, Joey. There we go. All right. Hey, what's up? How you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, you fixed your mics, your uh, mic stand from last week when you had a catastrophic oh, microphone failure. I, I, this thing, I don't know. It's, that's done it before. It's not the first time that's happened. It was funny to watch you do this, like holding, holding it up the, and trying, trying to, to talk. have a conversation. <laughs> You're trying to, I think you were trying to explain who the guest was the next day or something yes, uh, while yes. holding your mic. That was a disaster. And don't don't I don't I don't recommend trying that. I I I'm gonna try to avoid that. Uh, that's a good policy in general. Yep. Oi. Uh, so what's hear, the show about today? Is this is this uh, so? Colum's gonna be on. So we're gonna talk about his lead up to his trip. Um, he did some interviews prior to going to um, Iraq, and then awesome. he did obviously the trip. So we're gonna talk about uh, that a little bit more in in detail, and then depending on time, if we can get into some of his background and uh, um, St. Patrick's Day in Ireland and things like oh. that since, yeah. Forgot about well, that. Well, we're, because we're locked down here in Italy, so. You are locked nope. down again? Yeah, we're red, so what? there is no nothing. Oh, you have to talk to, about that because I didn't even know that. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. So I'm sure it'll come up. All three of us are in Rome, so I'm sure that we'll talk about it at some point. It's pretty, it's pretty wild considering um, – that everything's oh everyone else is going back to normal yeah we're talking about going back to normal light like in the united states some places are going back to somewhat normal um some more than others like That's the free state crazy. of texas or the free state of florida kind but of, uh, kind um, of the free state of texas whenever the corporations aren't beating you down yeah it's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens but here it's not interesting at all we just bloop that's it not, nope. that's crazy there is one white region which is like normal um and that's uh sardinia so everyone's jokingly talk about moving to sardinia now (laughs) because it's an island so it's kind of hard to i guess coronavirus doesn't do well over the water yeah they 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 can't survive in the water yeah or um uh after certain times um, right right yeah yeah they don't stay it's like kind of like um the mogway they they can't stay out after night after dark yeah and yeah, or um, the gremlins just uh, don't get them wet. Yeah, so exactly. It's very similar. All the bad things. There's always some clauses to it. So, is this mic picking up like a lot of background stuff, or is it just the the feed like the playback in the headphones? Because it sounds like I like I can hear everything in my headphones. Uh, hold on. So I don't know. Do uh, uh, let's do room tone for a second. How do I do? What do I do? Oh, just, just uh, oh, quiet. Be quiet. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's pretty quiet. Okay, cool. Yeah. I just was hoping, usually it doesn't pick up sirens and, you know, my cup, like. Well, no, it picks that up. Yeah. So. Because I have it on far mode. If I put it to near, I bet it doesn't pick up uh, quite as much. Is this this any better if I do this? You you can probably still hear all this. No, I can still hear that. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter. Uh, I was just playing around with the settings on some of these things because it, it's weird. Some things it picks up like, uh, like it's in your head, and then other things it's uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a frequency thing. Different mics will pick up different frequencies. Yeah, these mics sound so good though. Hey, it's the top of Bree's head. Nope. Oh, we can't hear you. She probably can't hear us either. Well, I'm trying to get her connected via Comrex, so she should 
I'm connecting, requesting her and Comrex. So hopefully I can get her in that way. Ba -ba -ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's the motorcycles in the background that I'm I'm hearing in my headphones, and I'm like, oh. yeah, I heard that as I drove by. Yeah. Yep, and that there'll probably be some we all we all at some point. There always is. Probably. Noted. I'm gonna try. Well, I guess it doesn't really matter. Nah, the problem really. is if yeah, I mute good. myself and then I forget to unmute myself, then I look pretty stupid. But uh, Bree said she's connected to Houston. She's connected. Uh, Are it, Abri, are you connected to KSHJ Studio? If not, could you connect to KSHJ Studio? All right, bye, Emily. Yes, I got you. Awesome. I'm send I'm receiving and I'm sending. So that's great. Loud and clear. Can you hear me, Bree? Hey, look at that. Wow. Everything's working. I'm Technology is fun. I'm kind of surprised. I'll knock on wood, say a prayer, Not throw a salt over my shoulder. What are the other things we can do? Just in case. Uh, drink a gallon of holy water. That's, yep. You have uh, seven minutes. Uh, when is Colm coming on? Oh, okay. Okay. I'm worried about a few things, but I, hopefully everything will work out. Uh, we're using Simeon for the first time, and it's supposed to launch automatically at 8, uh, so I'm not manually hitting the button, so that worries me. I just messaged a uh, column and told him to jump on Zoom. Awesome. So he hasn't read it yet. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Y'all don't do that whole... We don't do that savings. for two weeks. So in two weeks, it goes back to normal. And then... Uh, but for, you know, two weeks, it's awkward. Because it's like a five-hour difference instead of a six-hour difference. Oh, and that's then we go super back to six confusing. Hours. Yeah, it's... It, I mean, it's the opposite in October. Oh, so but, that's yeah. probably what happened. Joe, they don't Mr. have... Julio. Yeah. Bummer. Let's fix it. That's probably what happened. We were trying to figure out, we uh, had a guest that was supposed to come on at 6, and then he didn't hop on, and, because uh, I told him, I think, I told him it was noon, um, 
over there. So I kind of, yeah, I yeah, don't know. Because it's 155 here right now. Okay, yeah, so I probably threw that off big time. Yeah, I realized that yesterday, and I was just like, all right, cool. Uh, I mean, I would just keep it keep it pushing. Let's skip that. I mean, I was talking to Adrian before you jumped on about the fact that Italy's locked down again. Like, we're red again, and most other, some of the other countries are... Are going to talk yeah. about the uh, Latin mass being banned. Well, about um, what the, uh, what was it, um, the National Catholic Register, Edward Pinton article. No, he didn't say banned, but he said basically it makes it that it's delegate, relegated to a tiny area during only a certain yeah, the, couple times. The chapel. A, yeah, a couple times a day. Yeah. Hmm. well that didn't i mean they did you were able to do it anywhere weren't you like you could any of the side chapels yeah but now they're saying there's only one one private mass place right so i mean technically they did reduce that i mean it's misleading Oh, okay, yeah. So then if all private masses are banned, then ciao. It's still interesting that we don't know why. Like what what start like why no one knows. I told Colm to jump on Zoom. He read the message. Um but his lack of presence here makes me think he hasn't yet. Two and a half minutes. Cool. Yeah, so I I mean I think that, I mean, it's, it's interesting for sure. Just to, it, it's more interesting to me, not what they said, but how they said it. That's what's interesting. Like why all the like confusion and I know, but oh, so why, why didn't it go to the press office? That's the, yeah. Oh, hang on. Puppy troubles. Two minutes. Oh, Bebo, I don't have time for this. Come here. I'm
One minute. Will do. Forty seconds. Yeah, I muted him. He was getting his dog. 30 seconds. Yeah. 